welcome to the Royal Pharmaceutical Society's Pharmacine podcast, our regular look at the world of pharmacy with guests from every sector and speciality. If you're a pharmacist, membership of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society will support your career, build your skills and represent your interests. Visit www.rfarms.com forward slash rps hyphen membership to find out more. And now on with our Pharmacine podcast. Hello, and welcome to the RPS Pharmacine Podcast. I'm Kira Duffy, and a member of the English Pharmacy Board. Today, we're delighted to be joined by Jamie Wilkinson, the Healthcare Biotechnology Director for Europa Bio, the European Association of Bioindustries. Jamie is a pharmacist with over 15 years' experience in European and global health and pharmaceutical policies, advocacy and communication. He has extensive experience navigating the health policy ecosystem in Brussels and beyond, gained from policy roles in non-governmental organisations, professional and patient-led organisations, trade associations and global pharmaceutical and biotech companies. Jamie holds a professional diploma in PR, multiple professional registrations in public health, regulatory policy, public relations, pharmacy. He has three master's degrees in pharmacy, health policy and public health and is working part time on his fourth master's degrees in global diplomacy. Jamie, a very warm welcome to the RPS Pharmacy podcast. Thanks for having me. You have a super impressive bio from community pharmacy to your current role in European healthcare public affairs. Could anyone do what you've done? Yes. Yes, I believe it is possible. But you need to be okay with stepping outside of your comfort zone. You need to look beyond what most pharmacy graduates see as their, their career path, you know, majority working in community or maybe in hospital, or nowadays opportunities in primary care pharmacy. The curriculum for pharmacy undergraduates is great, but there are many skills and experiences that employers value, especially in the industry, that are simply not taught in the M-Farm. There were always a lot of theories floating around when I was a student, and I'm sure they are still happening now, about the requirements that you need to get into, for example, an industry role, like needing a PhD or needing to do some kind of split pre-reg placement, which are near on impossible to get. But in my experience, this is simply not true. I also see many of my peers from university and peers from my time volunteering in different student associations who are now working in really interesting industry or even governmental roles and also internationally. But, you know, you do need to work for it. You need to go beyond just ticking the box of completing the M-Farm and doing your nine-to-five There is a world of extracurricular activities out there where you could develop these skills and experience that employers really value in the workplace. So what prompted you to study an MSc in social research methods and public health after you completed your M-Farm? Yeah, I've always had an interest in health policy, public health and social sciences generally. And being able to study these master's degrees part time while still working made sense to help me take the next steps in my career. I mean, I'm thinking back to my undergraduate days. I was pretty limited in what kind of option modules I could take in the M-Farm. I think there was one option and I chose the professional practice module. So in addition to the education and training options that we have in the M-Farm, I tried to think about where else I could develop my skill set, expand my knowledge and experience. And these things, of course, I'm submitting them to the GPHC as part of my CPD recording. 
I'd say having master's levels training in topics outside of pharmacy helps you in a couple of different ways. In addition to those extra skills and, and knowledge and experience that you gain, it also distinguishes you from the competition when you're applying for other jobs. It opens doors to other work experiences and other career paths that you may never have considered. And of course, you have a, a network of alumni afterwards, so it expands your network. Currently, you work in healthcare public affairs. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means? Public affairs, public relations, government affairs, all these sort of abstract concepts that we don't really learn about when we're training as a pharmacist. What one does when you have a role like this is influencing people and processes in the external environment to help shape policies and practices according to your goals and objectives or your organization's goals and objectives. So the words advocacy come into it. It's very much about helping shape the environment through various different activities over a medium to long-term timescale. So if I can just jump to another diploma that I was quite surprised to see in your repertoire, which was in public relations, and you're finalising an MA in global diplomacy. Neither of these are really an obvious fit for pharmacy. What led you to study these? Yeah, good question. So I might be a pharmacist and I'm still on the register, but I don't work in pharmacy anymore. So in the same sense, the same spirit of professional development, I believe this also applies in other domains. So as I work in public affairs, having a fundamental qualification in that area has helped formalise my practical experience in this domain, as well as plugging a few gaps here and there in my knowledge, skills and experience, because I don't have undergraduate training in what I do as a day job. You know, I'm a pharmacist. And again, all of these activities, you know, I'm filling them in when it's required for my CPD records. So you're using it as CPD, as building your knowledge, even though it's not related to pharmacy. I think a lot of our listeners will take away something from that. So if we just go back again to your journey in pharmacy when you were doing your undergraduate, when you were doing your pre-registration training, and even as a qualified pharmacist, what have you learned in pharmacy that has stood you in good stead throughout your career? Having a scientific education and sort of scientific training and a background uh, backed up by actual patient facing practice experience goes really a long way to building and establishing credibility when you work in health policy, public affairs. And for example, I've been in situations in the past where I'm in a room in Brussels full of colleagues with no scientific backgrounds or practical experience in healthcare. However, very highly trained, highly capable colleagues, but it's myself and a couple of other colleagues who have a similar scientific or clinical background who have worked in a patient-facing environment, who have helped steer and keep the discussions grounded and realistic to the needs of what healthcare professionals and patients really experience in practice. And this is a really valuable asset to have when you're working in public affairs, in communications, in marketing and public relations, in many roles that don't typically have scientists or clinicians flocking to to take a role. And so I would see this as a definite advantage for colleagues who are thinking, oh, maybe I need to make a career change beyond the sort of three typical areas in pharmacy practice. What else could I do? Well, I would encourage you to consider, you know, these types of roles. Imagine this, you are a pharmacist, so you, you have a scientific and clinical background. You know how to talk to people. You know how to talk to patients. You should be a good communicator. 
So why not put those skills to use in, in a corporate world, in, an, in a company or in an agency or you know, in a consultancy where you're dealing with people like you did in practice, but you're using your scientific skills, training, education to talk about complex topics to the general public, to lay people, to non-technical experts. So yeah, this is something I still reap the benefits of today. And that really brings us on nicely to the next question. Um, How would you encourage pharmacy students to upskill outside of their degree course? I mentioned at the start that uh, I got involved with different organisations in university. So, for example, the pharmacy students organisation at local level, national level, European and even international level. So these are things you can do in your spare time whilst you're, you're undertaking your undergraduate course. And these are experiences that you can gain the skills and that knowledge and experience that employers are looking for that, you know, perhaps the farm is not providing with us or perhaps our part-time job on the sides working in the pharmacy is not going to provide us. This could be these extracurricular activities. It could be additional education and training. It could be learning another language, going on a student exchange program, going to professional conferences and events. I mean, these are all things that I did that helped me leave the practice environment and enter into a whole new world of work where I could use my skills and experience. So would you say that your extracurricular activities and your undergraduate degree really have taken you on the journey to Brussels where you are today? Absolutely. Let me give you an example. As part of some of my volunteering activities during my my M farm. I was involved with the European Pharmaceutical Students Association. I was on the board for a couple of years. And that meant traveling around Europe, going to conferences, talking about the needs of pharmacy students, you know, advocating for issues that were important to pharmacy students at European level. And um, the network that I built whilst doing that and the skills that I developed whilst doing that ultimately led to a job offer, basically doing the same kind of thing on a full-time basis, but getting paid every day to do it. So I moved to Brussels and I I got my first experience working for the trade association that represents community pharmacists, the pharmaceutical group of the European Union, PGEU. So yes, it had a direct link to a step in my career. And like with many of the things that I'm, I'm talking about in this podcast, the people who you meet in a network that you build whilst you do these extracurricular activities is just as important as the skills and experiences you develop. You mentioned there that you learn languages during your undergrad as well. So that was another activity. Well, let's take a step back. In the UK, we do school level qualifications in languages, which are quite frankly, not taken seriously enough in my experience. And so when I was an undergraduate, I took courses in French and German, for example. And I'm still you know, learning languages now as I go through my professional career. But this is certainly something that will open doors for you. There's more than just the four countries of the UK that you can work in. There are other places that you can develop your career and having an additional language or two will very much make you additionally competitive and also help you integrate into a new culture, a new country, which is also a learning experience and a development experience itself. Great. It adds to the tapestry, doesn't it, of our experience. What has been the biggest challenge in your career to date? So in public affairs, we are often dealing with medium to even long term cycles of policy influencing and change. You know, it could be five, 10 years. Being able to take take a breath, to stop and to see the bigger picture is something that we often don't do enough generally. And actually, I, I read a book called Start With Why, which is by an author called Simon Sinek. And reading this book was 
kind of like a revelation to me because I stopped thinking about what or even how I should be doing things, both in my career, but also in my life. And I began asking why, why am I doing X, Y, or Z? Why am I doing this you know, before I take any other decision? And this helps me to clarify and, and visualize my goals, objectives, vision, whatever it may be. Also, you can apply that to an organization's goals, objectives, and vision. You know, I do that before then trying to tackle the how, you know, how are you going to get to that vision or, or what are the practical steps needed in the day to day. So I think the biggest challenge was realizing that you need to take a breath and reflect properly on what you want to achieve before just jumping in and making it up. Really great advice. Has mentoring and coaching played much of a role in your career? Yeah, I mean, throughout my different roles, even from the pharmacy up until what I do now, there have been opportunities to work with interns or junior colleagues and to, to help them develop and take the next steps in their career pathway. I remember what it was like being in more junior roles throughout my career and you know, also being very ambitious and wanting to take the next step. Managing a highly, highly skilled, high achieving, ambitious team of colleagues is both highly rewarding and also highly challenging. And so it's also a developmental opportunity for myself as well. Luckily, my education and training in my career to date, with this spirit of professional development and personal reflection that is really rooted within pharmacy professional practice, this provides me with a really great framework to work on to, to help support and mentor and coach colleagues along their journeys as well. So that's one of the great things about the professionalization of our profession is that you can apply it elsewhere not just in your clinical skills and knowledge, but also in the way that you work with other people. And I'm proud to say that many of the interns or junior colleagues that I have worked with or mentored over the years are now in really nice jobs in Brussels and beyond. Maria, to hear your mentoring is transcending the boundaries of pharmacy. And of course, if any of our listeners would like to find out more about the RPS Mentorship Programme, please check out the website for more details. If you're enjoying this episode of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society's Pharmacine podcast, don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about it. And remember, if you're a pharmacist, becoming a member of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society will support your career, build your skills and represent your interests. Visit www.rfarms.com forward slash RPS membership to find out more. I noticed on your LinkedIn profile that you are a Toastmaster. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. And just to dispel any myths before I start, it's not about making toasts or, and, and you know, drinking <laughs> champagne or anything like that. Toastmasters is an international non-profit educational organization that has clubs all over the world in, in most major cities. And you know, its purpose is to promote communication, public speaking, professional development and leadership. I was reading a book about public speaking, you know, tips on how to improve your public speaking because I I do it quite a lot in my roles. And the author was sharing his experiences as a Toastmaster in the book, giving examples and sort of maybe think, oh, well, maybe I'll give this a try and I'll explore how I could use this to improve my own public speaking, professional leadership skills. So I joined my local club. I joined because I wanted to expand my, my public speaking, communication, leadership skills, and as well to, to expand my network of like-minded people, in this case, in a city that I do most of my work. Actually, I don't make a lot of speeches, and perhaps I shouldn't be saying this because colleagues from my club may be, <laughs> may be listening into this podcast, but actually, I, you know, I admit I don't, I don't make a lot of speeches in the club. 
but there are other opportunities that I, I take advantage of of being a member of this club. So, for example, I am the vice president for public relations for my club, and I've just created and am now hoping to implement the communication strategy for our own club. And again, this is using a bit of extracurricular activities beyond my day jobs to improve my skill set because you know I don't have a lot of experience developing and implementing comm strategies. So I thought this was a nice string to my bow to add. And you're working with a lot of highly experienced, high achieving people who come from different roles and have different skill sets that they can share. And part of the, the activities we do in, in Toastmasters is providing evaluations, providing feedback, providing points for improvements. And so you learn from some of the industry's best practitioners, whether it's in speech writing, professional speech writers, or whether it's consultants or career coaches or uh, people who work for the institutions, people who work in corporate roles. There's a whole diverse network of people in Toastmasters, and they can give you feedback that you would normally need to pay (laughs) quite a lot of money for, and you're paying a membership fee of 100 euros, 110 euros a year. So I think it's, again, another way to develop personally and professionally. As a global organization, this would be an excellent way to develop knowledge of international interactions and behaviors, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. It's an international organization. So I encourage you to check it out and see what uh, opportunities there are in your area. Mm, Sounds really interesting. A broad spectrum of people from lots of different backgrounds. Who would you say has inspired you in your career? So there have been many people who have inspired me throughout my career. These are both people that I've known personally or worked with professionally. And then people who I also don't know personally. Like, for example, I mentioned Simon Sinek before and I've read a few of his books. And he's probably one of the best examples of people who I don't know personally. Reading some of his books helped me to see through some of the preconceptions and some of the bad habits that we develop in workplace and in life and inspired me to make what some people would call bold or risky decisions. You know, I was able to believe in my own abilities. The best piece of advice that I've probably been given is just to be myself. There's absolutely no point in pretending to be someone who you're not. And if you're truly going to excel at something, What's the point in doing something that you're faking for someone else? Be yourself, enjoy what you do every day. If that means changing roles, changing jobs, changing careers, changing sectors, leaving the country, I encourage everybody just to pursue what really makes you happy on a daily basis. Because if you're going to be doing this five days a week, 48 weeks of the year until you die, then you may as well enjoy it, right? Very, very true. It's not work if you enjoy it, is it? Exactly. So it sounds like your schedule is intense, your day job, your extracurricular activities. Do you actually have time for enjoyable hobbies? Yeah, I mentioned I'm finishing my MA in in global diplomacy, but actually I'm also learning to fly. I'm pursuing my pilot's license and I've just started an evening course to become a microbrewer. And of course, having a pharmacy degree and background in biochemistry and even things like carbohydrate metabolism is is extremely helpful for these kind of extra courses so obviously i I won't be mixing brewing and flying at the same time but (laughs) (laughs) yes there's still time for fun well for hobbies let's say have you brewed your first batch yet 
One of the things that inspired me to do this was in a previous role as a team building exercise, we got to make our own beer. So we spent the day in a microbrewery, basically brewing up our own beer. Obviously, we couldn't taste it because it takes several weeks to, to brew, but uh, yes, I have done it before, but uh, I'm hoping to commandeer some space in the house <laughs> at some point after persuading my girlfriend that we need a space to brew beer in the kitchen. So what are your plans for the future? What, what are you hoping to achieve next? So this is a short answer. I'm going to read a book called The Squiggly Career, and I'm going to see what advice the author has for me. That is my plan. It's to, to see where what I'm doing now takes me. It's not to plan too much for the future. It's to keep doing what I enjoy and see what inspires me or who inspires me. It's what you said before, isn't it? Taking a breath before you jump in. I like it. Exactly. Jimmy, this has been such an inspiring and interesting conversation. We've touched upon so many things from health policy and public affairs to marketing to continuing professional development to the importance of volunteering at undergraduate level, how that can influence your career, but also how that can lead to influencing people and shaping the environment around you. We've spoken about the importance of starting with why and reflecting before jumping into decisions, harnessing our scientific and clinical background, including the communication skills we've learned in our degrees to be patient advocates, regardless of the area we work in. And of course, going beyond ticking the box of the normal nine to five and really driving curiosity. Can our listeners reach out to you on LinkedIn if they have any questions? Absolutely, please do. I would welcome feedback or you know, connections or if people want to just have a chat about going beyond the day-to-day things that we do in pharmacy practice in the UK, I'm, I'm very happy to talk to colleagues to help people get to where they want to be. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Royal Pharmaceutical Society's Pharmacy in Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, why not tell your friends and colleagues about it? And remember, if you're a pharmacist, membership of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society will support your career, build your skills and represent your interests. Visit www.rfarms.com forward slash RPS hyphen membership to find out more. Look out for the next Pharmacine episode on all good podcast sources. See you next time. Mm-hmm.